You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Good morning, good morning. It's good to have a church where you got so much bass, your water bottle falls off your... Uh, My name is Luke Turner. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Cathedral, and we are really excited for you to be here. Uh, If you're online, we're excited for you to be here, but especially excited if this is your first time. Um, I remember the first time I came to Cathedral, I came chasing a girl, and uh, I'm still chasing her. She's wide open. Luckily, I got her on the front row with me. But uh, I don't know why you're here. Some of you may have come because your mama made you, but all I know is God's in the business of changing lives, and He changed my life the first time I came, and so I'm hoping he's going to do the same for you today. Uh, Let's pray real quick. Lord, we come to you today, and we thank you for who you are. We ask for your presence to fill this room. We ask for your presence and anointing to just open our hearts and minds to what you want to do with us today. Lord, speak to us. Draw near to us. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do on this Easter. In Jesus' name, everybody said. All right. Yeah, so it was about 20 years ago I I came into this church and I came and I sat back here and I was trying my best to impress Megan and I thought, you know, I might get some brownie points because she wouldn't date me because I wasn't walking with the Lord. And so I thought, well, I'll just go get some free coffee and see if I can impress her a little bit. Um, But at the same time, I was on this journey in my own life of asking questions and I knew there was a God but I didn't know there was a relationship with God I knew there was heaven and hell but I didn't know there was a a back and forth there was a doing life together with God and so when I came here I started realizing that these questions that I was asking myself about is there more to life is that is there more to what's going on I remember I would have parties and in the middle of the night at these parties I would walk down the street and I remember sitting on a, on a slide at a playground one night, and I was just, I don't even know who I was asking. I guess I was asking God, what, what, what is it? What am I missing? Is there more to this life? I'm just not getting. And that collided with me coming here to impress a girl. And I realized I was in front of my first gap. And I like to call this message gap faith because it's the first real faith that I was going to have to instill. And as Christians, we have these things that I like to call gap faith, where you're standing on one side and God's called you to another side. And you look at this gap and you're like, how in the world am I going to cross this? There's no way God would start putting visions in my head of a relationship with him and what it would be like with him. And it was my first gap, but it looked so far away. It looked like there was no way possible I was going to be able to do a life with him because of who I was and the decisions I would make on a daily basis. But I started coming here, and I started hearing the message of the gospel. And I started realizing, hey, maybe it's not about me or my performance. Maybe it's not about that. Listen to this. Romans 3 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I can get on board with that. I fell short many times. Romans 6 says this, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that we will, we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't about me being perfect. He still died for us. Romans 6 says this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our, Jesus our Lord. Romans 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
I realized as I was sitting in here, as I'm trying to figure out this question of, is there more? Is there more? I'm hearing these teachings of the Bible. And I'm realizing there's a Savior for me. There is a perfect God who gave his life for my imperfect one. And that gave me hope. It started answering that question of more. What is the more? The more is him. The more is him. And the more I started looking at this cliff and where I was headed, I started seeing this other one. But there's somebody in our life who comes and wants to do everything he can to get us not to be on that cliff. And that's Satan. And he uses a lot of times our brokenness and what we've done or how we were raised or things that we struggle with. And I, I define that brokenness as really anything that says you're not enough. Anything that would make you stand on that cliff and when God says, I want you to be a part of my family that says, there's no way. I know what you did last Saturday. I know the way you think. I know who you are. I know the real you. And oftentimes he would come in And I would let that brokenness and I would let the enemy fill this gap for me and say there's no chance that that's possible. But I did it. I listened to the teachings and I realized one day I'm going to give my life to the Lord because what I'm doing right now is not working. Letting this brokenness dominate me, letting these thoughts dominate me wasn't working. So I did. I prayed the prayer. I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I asked the Lord to come into my heart. And I realized in that moment the cross is what fills that gap. It's not my performance. It's not me. My brokenness doesn't hold me back from where God wants me. It's my trust and my faith in the almighty Savior that can fill that gap. And we're going to look at a drama right now. And even the way he is today is the way he was in Scripture. And this is a story about a woman who needed God to fill the gap. Take a look. Have you ever played Bible roulette? You know, where you flip through the pages as fast as you can and you hope that God will put your finger on just the right verse? No, just me. (laughs) That's actually what I was doing one particularly tough morning. I had another negative pregnancy test. My husband and I have been trying to get pregnant and start a family for years now and my body just will not cooperate and so most of my mornings are spent in this chair right here crying and praying and pleading with God (laughs) but this particular morning I told God I just I need something extra and so I flipped through the verses and I actually landed on Mark chapter 5 and I I went past the demon possessed man that was clearly meant for my husband And I started reading around verse 25, and it said this, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. I tried to figure out what she might have or why that would be, and I, I didn't exactly know, but what I thought was I could probably identify to the hormones that were going along with that. The cramping and the tiredness, the exhaustion, the moody, the emotional moods. Maybe I should go back to the demon-possessed man, actually. (laughs) And then it dawned on me. If she had been bleeding for 12 years, then she too would be infertile. 
And so she would have on a daily basis that feeling of anguish and brokenness and emptiness. Those are actually feelings I feel like we all feel often. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had only gotten worse. Now, this is the part of the story that I feel like that we can all connect to. You know when you spend all of your wheels and everything you have to try to fix you and it doesn't work? The same mistakes, the same person, and and you're not getting any better? I mean, if we're honest, don't we kind of all have issues of blood? I mean, maybe it's not the bleeding for 12 years or maybe it's not the infertility, but don't we all have stuff about ourselves, or mistakes that we've made, choices that we've made in the past that we regret? Messy things that we really wish that we could hide? I mean, essentially, we're kind of all bleeding. Like, I struggle with anger or depression or anxiety or I, 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 I made a really bad choice and blew it with my family. Or I'm a workaholic and I can't find purpose. I mean, we all have something on the inside that's bleeding. And so how do we stop the bleeding? <clears throat> she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. I love this for many reasons, but one, because there's a woman in the Bible that talks to herself too. And I imagine she was probably playing in her mind over and over again, what is the risk versus the benefit if I do this? And the truth is there was a huge risk because if she were going to go do this, she would be breaking the law. I went over to Leviticus, the cross reference from Mark, which I don't normally do. But this particular morning I was feeling extra desperate. And this is what I read. If a woman has discharge of blood for many days other than at the time of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed she lies on shall be unclean. Whatever she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. And whatever she touches shall be unclean. I hate that word unclean. But I know for me I've felt it. It's crazy how heartbreak can make you feel unclean. And it's crazy how the things about us that make us feel unclean are the things that we think that other people would reject us if they knew. So we try to let nobody know. We try to keep these things hidden. And we do the exact same thing with God. We think, I'm too broken. And if you knew the real me, you wouldn't want to touch me. It's crazy because we give him every reason not to touch us, yet we're desperate for his touch. And I wonder if that's how she felt. I wonder if she thought God wouldn't want to touch her. So she decided to touch him. I can see the scene in my mind playing out. Her walking through the crowd, really careful not to touch anyone or let her be touched by anyone because she was breaking the law. And maybe she had this thought, how am I going to do this and not let Jesus know that I touched him? And then maybe she thought, I don't even have to touch 
him, if I could just touch any piece of him, if I could just touch his clothes, if I could just touch the very hem of his garment, that would be enough. And maybe, just maybe, she decided to pretend like she dropped something in the ground. And when she bent down to pick it up, she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And there's Jesus. God in human form. In the middle of the dust and the dirt, walking amongst people in everyday life. What a picture of grace for this woman. This woman who was torn by the law that deemed her unclean and the pain that she lived every single day. And in this place, that place of being torn, her heart's deepest wondering cried out, Is there more? Is there more than this law that deems me unclean? Is there more than this law that keeps me separate and divided? Is there more than this pain and this suffering? Is there more than my internal bleeding? Is there more than my mistakes? Is there more? Have you ever wondered, is there more? And she reaches out, touching the hem of Jesus' garment, saying, yes, and it is you. Who touched me? Who touched me, Jesus asked. Amongst a huge, large crowd, he turns around and he asks that question. He felt her touch him. Her touch moved him. This part of the story blows my mind. Jesus was touched by her messy, out on a limb, risky faith. It moved him. Who touched me? He knew, he knew good and well who touched him. But he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to shine a spotlight on her brokenness. That's the kind of dignity that Jesus offers you and I who are suffering silently. Who touched me? And she steps forward, trembling, as she falls before him and she tells him her whole story. Now, interesting, scripture doesn't say what her whole story was. Maybe because it wants to leave a gap for you and I to fill what our brokenness is in this spot. To tell him, I was only five years old the first time someone touched me inappropriately. Or I made a mistake and it ruined my family. Or my life has been a series of bad choices and I don't want to make those same choices anymore. Or can you fix the brokenness? Or I don't want to be lonely anymore. Or this addiction has ruled my life and I am done. And we reach out and we touch the hem of his garment by faith. And it stops the bleeding stops. She knew it stopped after 12 years. It stops. It stopped. It stopped. Your bleeding can stop. After five years, after 10 years, after four months, after three months, your entire life, the bleeding can stop. And he would look at you and he would say the exact same thing to you that he did to her that day. My child, your faith is what makes you whole. In a short time after that, I believe that that woman would hear of this Jesus 
this Christ going to a cross. And the story would be that he was shedding and giving his clean blood for an unclean, broken world. And her, more than anybody would know that that was true. What I bet she didn't know was how years later, God would use her messy, risky faith to change my life. And hopefully yours too. That morning I put on my shoes and I headed out to work after my time in my chair. And I had this thought. Maybe there's no such thing as Bible roulette after all. That was good, baby. Sorry, I wasn't supposed to say that, but I couldn't help it. Um, I think this, the, the true message really is that God wants more. See, I, I had conquered my first gap of believing and trusting in him. Now I was on to the next gap and on to realize that life with Jesus is about a lot of gaps. And that developing this muscle of gap faith is something that I'm going to have to do as a Christian because God's going to challenge me for the rest of my life to do what I can't do by myself. This gap faith is real. This gap faith is something that you're going to be presented with. Because what God says in the Bible is John chapter 10, 10, he says this, I want to come give you life and life abundantly. He wants me to spend eternity with him. And I sealed that in that prayer. But he wants a whole lot more than that. He wants my life to be abundant. He wants to do life with me. He wants to win life with me. And he wants other people to win life through me. See, my life can give other people hopes. When I have dreams and I have passions and I have things that are stirred up in my heart by God, and I'm standing on this gap, and they see me jump over to this gap because my faith in God, that's contagious. That little thing in your heart that God's stirring, that, that dream, that business, that ministry, that family, that stirring in your heart is for you and for the kingdom, but it's also for somebody out there watching. Somebody who's saying, I need hope. I need to see somebody else be able to do what I'm trying to do. And God's in that business. See, the thing that God wanted me to do was he wanted me to have the faith when I trusted him with my life to have the faith to trust him with my dreams. See, the thing about this whole journey is that these are God-sized dreams. These are not little daily decisions that I'm talking about today that require gap faith. They're big dreams. They're dreams that when you tell people you're worried, they're going to laugh. Because there's no chance that you would be able to do it. You're worried they're, they're going to say no way. If I told you 20 years ago that I was going to be up here speaking, you would have laughed. And I would have laughed. I still laugh at it. I can't believe it. But I hope the faith like this, doing this, is something that inspires you. Because you have people watching you. And you have people that are hoping and wondering and watching for a Savior to actually be able to take them out of their darkness. The, uh, the impossible is the possible with him. See, we, I, I have a guy that I 
help run this church with. There's a few of us lead pastors, and he's one of them. His name's Dave Ammons. Y'all know him very well. Um, and we're about to show you a video of him and how he handled this, how he was facing gaps, and how he let God deal with that. My name's Dave, and this is my story. You know, as early as I can remember, uh, I, I've always known that I wanted to go into medicine. I knew that I 100% loved surgery. Uh, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I wanted to become a doctor. This isn't a surprise, but any doctor that's out there, you, you know, you got to get great grades. You got to get good test scores. And so that was really my whole marching career in college. I lived in a library to get the best grades that I possibly can and got in there, did my application, uh, and I was met with a, a denial letter, which really wasn't a surprise because that's the competitive nature of getting into dentistry, right? Uh, so that really didn't deter me. It actually motivated me to do even better and to do even more. And so here's a couple of things that I did. I went back to college. Now, mind you, I'm working at the church at this point, um, but I go back into college because I want to increase my GPA. I retake the DIT to get an even better score uh, I had a couple thousand hours of shadowing hours, and so I said, well, if a couple thousand are good, a couple more thousand are going to be good. So now you roll into the next application cycle. I submit all of my stuff. I'm jacked because I know, okay, I got this now last year, but I've just boosted my application like crazy. Fast forward a couple weeks, I'm waiting for that acceptance letter, and again, I get a denial. Crushed me. I did not understand it. Uh, this was really kind of the first point that I would really say that I would start questioning all right, am I going after the right thing that God has? I mean, I felt like God has called me to this for my life. This was my calling. But yet, this was the first time it was kind of being put to, to the test of like, is this really where I'm supposed to be for my life? This time, I do one last thing to enhance my ability to get in, and that's my letters of recommendation. That was the last piece of the puzzle, uh, and I chased after some of the best people. I didn't want to use them. Uh, if I didn't have to, but at this point I was like, I'm getting into the school. I put that application right back in, now even more confident, because that's just a little bit my personality. Like, you're not gonna deter me, I'm gonna go after this thing, I know what God has called me to. So I go in, I get interviews, the interviews are absolutely incredible, amazing. Like, I know without a shadow of doubt, this is my year, I'm getting in, we're starting this whole journey. Couple weeks go by, and I see the letter in the mailbox. And you can't ever tell, like I'm excited, but it's like that same thing where your heart just kind of drops, like you, you just don't know what you're gonna do. I'll never forget opening up that letter and the first words that I see on there is that I was denied. Man, I was crushed. So I went down to the, to the dean's office in a very polite manner, just said, hey, listen, I know I'm not on a schedule, uh, but I said, I just need a simple answer to a question, which is why I didn't get in. So I don't mind waiting. And I'll never forget sitting in the office and we were talking back and forth. And my simple question was this, why, why am I not getting in? Like, tell me what do I need to do? He was looking pretty intensely at this file that he has in front of him. He looks back up at me, he goes, all right, I'm gonna tell you why you didn't get in. He goes, on one of your interviews, here's exactly what it says that you're too passionate about church and not passionate enough about dentistry. I just gotta be honest, I got mad. And so I just had a conversation with him of like, don't you want passionate people in this field? Because what I hear that saying is I'm a passionate individual. I know that God has called me to this whole thing and I'm passionate about doing it, but I'm also passionate about anything, 
And I'll never forget walking away from that meeting with the Dean of Admissions and walking down the street and really wrestling with this whole thing. And I'll never forget feeling like God was so audibly talking to me while I was walking and him communicating to me and saying, I have you exactly where I need you. That sealed the deal for me. I remember praying about, okay, God, if you're closing this door, you know, so often we want God to be a spotlight, a floodlight into our life, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he's going to be a lamp unto our feet. And I felt like he was giving me that next step that I had, because at this point I knew God had shut that door. And as hard as that was for me, I knew if God shut that door, how amazing was was it going to be the door that he was opening next? One of those big junctions in my life, one of the next big ones in my life, uh, was when me and Macy wanted to grow our family. And we started a family, and we had Baylor. And we knew we had a goal of having a lot of kids. We wanted a bigger family, but we wanted them close. We wanted that relationship there, and so we were ready to have our second child. We just didn't know that we were going to have trouble. And we just were met with roadblock after roadblock. It just didn't work. Uh, It was a very hard road. We went through three different rounds of, I believe it was called IUIs. Uh, They didn't work. Nothing worked. We had one more option. That was it. Like if it didn't work, I was out of money. I was out of options. And we decided to go for it. Uh, It's called IVF. And we put all our eggs in the basket. And so we're going down this journey. We're meeting with the doctor. And we're getting to the place where you you know, implant the eggs or whatever the case may be. And I remember the doctor coming back to us and saying, well, the quality are so bad. We don't typically put two in there, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because I really don't think they're going to take. Well, man, that was just the, the thing that I needed to ignite it. And me and Macy and all of our friends, all of our family kind of gathered around and we went to work. We started praying like crazy. Of course, God just came through in such a massive way. Uh, we get there and the doctor gives us the news that it worked. We have a baby on the way. It, it got implanted and she was pregnant with two. <laughs> um, but I remember being so excited and it was again, it was, it was just another one of those phenomenal time periods that you got to see the faithfulness of who God was. But even with God, he overflows. He doesn't just fill, he overflows. Because what I didn't know is he had plans because he knows the plans for my life. He formed them before I was even there, before I was even born myself. He had plans to have baby number four come into our life. So now this whole thing that we wanted to have a family so close together, we end up with four kids, three and under. One of the stories that I think of it, you know, it's not always just the great things that happen in life. Faith really carries us through a lot of different seasons of life. And one of the more recent things that I've had to figure out of how to lean on God and how to have faith is, is the passing of my father. You know, that was a really, really tough thing, but I knew because of the, of the circumstances in my life, I, 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 I've seen him do too many good things in my life. I've seen him be too good in my life. I've seen him be too faithful in my life to not know that he's also going to carry me through the tough situations in my life. And as hard as the situation was when my father passed away, 
the only person I knew I had to lean on was him. And man, can I tell you, he has been faithful. Does that mean I haven't had hard days? No, I've, I've, had, I've had tough days. But I know that he's gonna work all things for the good of his will and for the, his purpose in my life. And that is happening. His faithfulness, no matter the situation, will always happen. We just have to stay close to him and he will come through. We got a baby, but y'all don't know what it is. <laughs> We're just in here waiting on the transfer. Yes, give it up for Dave and his story. I'm so proud of Dave and all that he's done and let God do, and he's part of this leadership team, and I love leading this church with him. Uh, we're so proud of him. When I was growing up, I had two older brothers, and I had they were sweet, loving older brothers, as most older brothers are. Um, they were, you know, when I would talk about their sweetness, they would do things like not just a regular wedgie, they would give me a super wedgie, which was where, you know, when you're young, you wear those little He-Man or Spider-Man underwear, and they would take me by that underwear and hang me on a doorknob, and that was just high enough that my feet couldn't touch the ground to get off. And the only way to get off was to shake really hard and hope your underwear would rip and you'd fall down. Uh, and while I was up there, they were so sweet, they would do this thing called a rat tail where they would take a towel and they would roll it up, and they'd whip me in the chest. And they were just wonderful, sweet, precious <laughs> brothers. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to heaven or not, but uh, <laughs> glad it's not up to me. Uh, but I had that kind of rougher kind of growing up, and I loved it, and I'm proud of it, and I'm glad for it. But there was a time where I was, I think it was middle school or something, and, and I was, had this guy in my school. He was bigger, and he was stronger. He was all the things, and he did. Uh, he used to he used to beat me up all the time, and it was one of those things where I wouldn't I couldn't call him a bully because I gave him more power than he really was. Uh, but he just drove me crazy everywhere I went and everywhere my friends went. He was always there. You know, you had every time I rounded a corner, I had to go somewhere. I had to go through him, and he loved that. And he would he would come after us and do whatever, and it was just driving me crazy. And I remember one time sitting there with my dad at home, and I was, I, I don't know why, but I told him about this, and, and I told him this guy's doing this to me, and he said, well, why are you letting him? And I thought to myself, well, I don't know if you've seen him or not, but he's a lot bigger than I am. Um, he said, but your brothers are bigger than he is, and you fight them every day. And he said, why are you letting him do that to you? Don't you go another day letting him do that. And it was just like that. All of a sudden, I believed, you know what? I'm not letting him do this. Today is the day it's going to change. And I remember that week, it ended up being, I went to my brother's football game, and I was going under the bleachers during the football game on a Friday night, and everybody knows that nothing under the bleachers is good. Uh, <laughs> but I was going under there to meet my friends, and when I came around the corner, I saw this big bully guy beating up one of my friends. 
and I remember this thing just engulfed me, and I uh, felt like I was William Wallace of Braveheart charging the enemy. And I remember thinking, i got to use my belt because my fist won't reach. And I, I'm running as fast as I can. And when I do, I run, I jump, and I swing, and I hit, that, hit him with that belt. And when I did, he, his face blew up. And he looked at me like, you're not supposed to do that. And he took off running. And I'm glad to say he never bothered me or my friends again. All it took was a little encouragement from my father. And I wonder the same question for everybody in here. When we're talking about gap faith and what God wants you to do, what's the bully keeping you away from? What's the bully trying to get you to stop? What is he trying to remind you of why you can't go? How many of you just need a little encouragement from a father to say you can get there? I believe in you. What I put in you is good enough to get you there. You just got to trust me. You got to have faith in me. I wonder how many of you are going through that. I wonder how many of you need to hear these words, that your brokenness doesn't bind you. It just reminds you of who he is and what he's done for you. When you're going through this, your brokenness doesn't stand in between. It just reminds you that you need something else to bridge the gap. It doesn't remind you that you have the abilities and the talents and all these things and you've got to perform and you've got to do this. It just reminds you that somebody died on the cross for your sins. There is a Savior and there's a Father that is begging you to jump off that cliff and come to the next level with Him. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give those people who are in here and they're at their first gap, just like I was. And that first gap for me was believing that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he was my Savior. If you're in here today and you're nervous about that gap and you're nervous about jumping, I pray right now that God gives you the boldness to go after it. So if that's you in here, all eyes are closed, all heads are bowed, I want you just to raise your hand. I want you just to raise your hand online. If that's you online, just raise your hand right there. I speak boldness over this crowd. I see you. I see you. Who is it? I see you. Put in the balcony. Your daddy believes in you. Don't let the bully haunt you anymore. Last chance here before I pray. Anybody else that wants to just get in on this? All right, this is your prayer. We're all going to pray. If you'll just repeat after me. But those of you who raised your hand, this is your prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you are my Lord and Savior. And this day forward, I will follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's a big deal. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. We've got one more song before we go. And this is a special one for me because you, 
we are all facing different gaps in this journey of life, and especially Christian life, is you're going to go from gap to gap to gap. God's going to, he's not going to be settled where you are. He's going to challenge you for something else. He's going to challenge you for something else. And every one of us in here are believing for a gap that we're facing. And you've, over the last few months, you've submitted a lot of prayer cards. And you're going to see people during this song, and they're going to be holding up signs. And those signs are not necessarily theirs. They're just the prayers that this church is facing. They're the gaps that this church is facing. And so as we sing this song, I want you to rally around them. I want you to pray for those, those gaps. But at the same time, I want you to think about you. And what is God stirring in your heart? What is the dream he's put in your heart? Because he would tell you the same thing my daddy told me. You can do this. You're bigger than your battle. You can do this with me. You're bigger than your battle. I pray that over you right now. Let's stand and worship as we can. Woo! It's almost time. It's almost time for that Easter nap and a little fried chicken before it. We're so glad you chose to come be with us on Easter. We would love to have you come back next week. Next week, we start our, our series on heaven. We have a guy who is medically chosen dead for 28 minutes. Uh, he came back, and he's going to share his experience of heaven with us, so you don't want to miss it. You really, really don't want to miss it. Hey, guys, let me bless you with this on your way out. God didn't conquer death, hell, and the grave, so you would stay right here. He wants you to have the boldness of a lion. He wants you to go after your dreams and after your passions. And remember, your brokenness doesn't bind you. It just reminds you you need him. Have a great week. We'll see y'all. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.